it's just the, the most convenient place for us to all chat together. You can have private chat with, uh, with me mostly uh, online if you've got a prayer request or a question. But let me encourage you, not during the sermon, but maybe during that opening hymn, especially if you don't come for the hymns and you come in just for the message, pop in at, at, uh, at the start of service, say hello, get to know one another. In fact, uh, what we're going to do, usually I'll invite you at the end of the service to come in if you have questions or, or want to talk about it. I'm going to do that a little differently. If you're online, at the Miss Janet's going to uh, drop a, a, a Zoom link in the chat at the end of the service. Click on that and get to meet the other people who are worshiping online. Uh, because I want you not to feel like you're eavesdropping. I want you to be part of our community. So there's a, there are a few people who chat pretty regular. Hi, Mom. Uh, my mom does worship with us on Sunday mornings. Um, and I want you to, I, I, just in case you don't know the reach, we have people online who work, some are close by in Berks County. We've got people in New Jersey. We've got people in Florida. I mean, that, the, the online has some pretty good reach. People who are never going to be in this room. So if you're online, get to know one another. Now, if I can do this without messing up the folks in the back of the room too much, could you do me a favor? It's a little cheesy, so we're not going to make a habit of it. Would you just turn around and wave at the camera? Let, let the folks online know that you're there. Thanks so much. One, one last little bit of housekeeping then, and, and, and we'll actually get into the meat of the sermon. If you have Facebook on a device that's at hand, same if you're online, just do me a favor, like and share the service. Whatever platform you're on, subscribe to the church's channel. Do it now. I mean, if you've got Facebook on your device now, go ahead and do it now. Um, I'm not promoting myself. I hope you, I want you to do this every week um, because we want to use that, the online not just as a way for people to drop in and, and eavesdrop or, or worship if they can't be here, but as an opportunity to, to get uh, eyeballs that might not normally come to church to have a chance to come and see uh, a few years ago, you would have said people would visit your website before they came to visit your church. Now people will worship online and see what your church is like before they come. So let's give as many people as possible an opportunity to do that. If you don't subscribe to our YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe. And please, every week, if you've got Facebook on your device, like and share it so that, that it's in your feed and so your friends and followers get a chance to see. Sound okay? Y'all are looking at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. <laughs> I especially appreciate that uh, favorite verse feature. That's actually, those are actually on our website at riverviewchristian.church forward slash stories if you want to go ahead and review them. Uh, and it leads me to a question. What is your favorite Bible verse? I know what kinds of verses usually pop up. Janet's is usually not going to be at the top of that list. Um, it's things like Romans 8.28, which Beth started off with in our first one, and we know that all things... Uh, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Uh, I hear real often quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans for you. I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. John 4, 14, 14 says, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. John 3, 16, everybody's favorite, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And if that was all the Bible said, we wouldn't have to evangelize, would we? 
I mean, our lives would be so together and so happy and so carefree that people would just flock in. Oh, life is good. Life is good. Wherever those Christians are, life is happy and together. It's not like that, is it? How about these? And these are all partial verses. I'm going to warn you up front because there's always a promise after. But the beginning, James 1, 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind. 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fire your deal that has come on you to test you as if something strange were happening to you. Philippians 3.10, I want you to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Wow. <laughs> um, Jesus said, your life will have tribulation. Um, and we get surprised by that, don't we? I mean, bad things happen. And we start asking questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, there are no good people. Sorry. <laughs> That's Bible. Um, and they never promised us that we'd be immune from the effects of the fall or the effects of the curse that God placed on the earth after the fall. We still experience all of that stuff. People ask me from time to time, and if, if you're one of those people, I'm not picking on you. Does God let us experience trouble so that we can empathize with unbelievers when they go through trouble? God will use it that way, but I don't think that's why. So we're going to look a little bit at that. So let's look at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 5 this morning. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds pretty good. We have peace with our Lord God through Jesus, or with God, and, and we should embrace that. I mean, we should embrace all of the promises. I'm not, I'm not dishing on the promises. Claim them, live by them. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God. That's a, that's a foundational thing. Foundational thing, because, you know, stuff happens. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand. That'll get there. Can we get to verse 2? No? Okay. Um, thank you. <laughs> We'll crawl through the rest. Um, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And I, I think it's important to lay that foundation. Okay, we have peace with God. We have access to his grace through Jesus Christ. And now we stand. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Have you ever gloried in suffering? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's good, Jesus. Give me more. <laughs> we don't, I mean, you, Janet talked about ignoring suffering in, in, her, in her little talk here this morning. We don't ignore suffering. When we're suffering, we're suffering, right? Um, but it's about attitude. Uh, she she, she kind of stole my thunder. I'm not going to lie to you. She stole my thunder up there. Because I'm going to take 30 minutes to say what she said in three
We glory in our sufferings. That sounds incredibly odd. How do we get there? Well, we start with, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Now, what does perseverance look like? I want you to think, have you ever done anything of, of, of value or talent or skill in your life um, that people came up to you and said, you make that look so easy? I mean, I, you can talk about all kinds of human endeavor. If, if you follow JC's podcast and, and watch him work out, even when I was young and thin, I couldn't have done that. And I expect when he first started, he couldn't either. I mean, I see what he does now. You have to persevere. Did you ever play a sport? <laughs> not that either. I tried. I was not athletic. I wrestled till in junior high until one year when I got dumped on my head, and that was the end of wrestling. Um, but athletic skill, you got to persevere. You, I mean, you know, when you start talking about athletic workouts, you're talking about two-a-days and hot weather and cold weather, and, and you got to stick it out through all that stuff. I wasn't... A, a musician, I played a couple of instruments, and um, you got to play through a lot of really sour notes, and I can't get my fingers to move where they need to go, and I can't, or I can't move them fast enough to get to the place where you sound good, and your Christian walk is no different. Perseverance doesn't come by nature. If you've been reading along with the Riverview groups, we've been reading Job, and Job gets held up as this paragon of, of patience. Job was a whiner. No, he was. Let me, let me give you the story. In case you don't know Job's story, Job, he was wealthy. He had 10 kids. He had flocks and, and crops. He was one of the wealthiest men in the world. And, uh, and one day, Satan had access to heaven, and, and God's entertaining the angels as they come and go. And, and he says to Satan, Satan, where have you been? What you been up to? And he's like, oh, I've been here and there, this and that. And God's so, so proud of Job. He says, look at my servant Job. Man, he loves me and, and he worships me. He's, he's gone so far as he offers daily sacrifices for his children in case they sinned the day before and didn't repent. I mean, this is serious stuff. I mean, we have trouble getting people to pray for their kids, but... Here he is, and, and Satan says, well, you put a hedge of protection around him. Nothing touches Job. Take away all his stuff, and he won't love you anymore. And God says, okay, you can touch his stuff. Don't touch him. And in a single day, he loses everything. He loses his crops. He loses his animals. He loses his children. I can't imagine the pain, not of losing one child, much less 10 in a day. But he still worshiped God. This, this is where we get passages like, you know, I, I came into the world with nothing, I'm going out with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, uh, and Satan comes back before God and says, well... If I touch him, he'll give it all up. And Satan and God said, okay, you can go ahead, but you can't kill him. And he got boils all over his body. 
And I mean, the, the pain and the itch, try and picture, if you've ever had Abe oil, imagine your skin being covered by them. I mean, to the point where he just sat down in a, in, basically in, a, in the junkyard, took a piece of broken pottery and was just scraping them open just to get some air underneath and get the, the ick and the ooze gone. And his friend sat with him for a week silently, and then they started to accuse him. Even his wife started to accuse him. You know, all this stuff that happened to you, you must have done something really bad. And every time he makes a defense, he doesn't, this is not a, and, and I understand, I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling sympathetic toward Job at this point. I mean, I call him, I might call him a name, but he's never experienced suffering before. This is his first time. And the only thing he can do is hold on to God as, yeah, God's God. He learned to persevere. There are things that happen in our lives that God doesn't give us. Perseverance is one. You have to learn to persevere. Patience is another. Just, just in case, if you need patience, and I, let me say this, it's parenthetical, no extra charge. Uh, nobody's going to meet you at the door with a plate. Um, I always grew up hearing people say, yeah, you be careful when you pray for patience. No, be bold. Just be ready. <laughs> you, if, you need pray, if you need patience, pray for it. God's going to teach you patience. It's okay. It actually fits in with the rest of the sermon, so hang in there. We learn perseverance by having to persevere. Does God just want us to be able to persevere? Well, no. I mean, that's a good thing, to be able to stick with something long enough to be proficient at it. Uh, I, I was listening to... Uh, well, it was a short, so it was, wasn't very long of a video, but they were talking about people who were asking famous Christians how to, to, to learn to pray. And without exception, every one of them said, if you want to learn to pray, pray. I would add, if you want to learn to read Scripture, read Scripture. There's a remarkable thing that happens when you read Scripture. If you read Scripture one day a week, it won't impact your life. I mean, they've done studies on this, scientific studies. If you read Scripture two days a week, it won't impact your life. If you read Scripture three days a week, a little bit. If you read Scripture four days a week, every week, you start to see people who overcome addictions, become better husbands and wives, increase their church attendance. I mean, spending that much time... Now, I'm not talking about reading it as an academic exercise. If you read the Word in order to commune with God and hear from Him, it will change your life four to seven days a week. Amen. you got to persevere through that because there will be all kinds of things that are going to pop up and say, ah, you don't need to read your Bible today. You're too busy. you got too much going on. Take that time. It'll make a difference in your life. Why do we persevere? We persevere, on to the next verse, Perseverance produces character. I'm always a little funny when someone says, I prefer this translation because usually it means it fits their sermon. I am using my preferred translation because it suits my sermon. I'm telling you up front. Because the other way that that comes up is proven character. How does perseverance produce proven character? Let me tell you a personal story. This is something my wife and I went through together. I'm not going to tell you her story. That's hers to tell, but I'm going to tell you mine. We had kind of gone through a number of years, five or six years, where she had like an annual trip to the hospital. 
uh, congestive heart failure. And, and we actually started to joke about it a little bit. I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, oh, it's time for you to go to the hospital this year. And last spring, we had that. It was, you know, March, April, mom's off to the hospital. Okay, you know, we've been through that before. She came home. Last August, she had her second trip. A few weeks after she came home, she had her third trip. A few weeks after she came home, she had her fourth trip. And just in case I hadn't learned, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not talking about why God did anything. I'm talking about what I learned from it. What, just because I apparently hadn't learned what I needed to learn from the first three trips, the fourth trip was something completely different. Usually she would just, you know, fluid would build up in her lungs and she'd start to have trouble breathing and, you know, she'd end up back in the hospital. She'd only been home from rehab a couple of weeks and she's sitting behind me in a recliner, I'm watching TV, and all of a sudden she starts making noises I have never heard her make. We have been married for, well, in, in, in a week, 41 years. I have never heard her make these sounds. And I kind of let it go by the first time, but the second time she absolutely had my attention. And there was a quick alternation between desperate prayer and a call to 911. And what I learned was, and this goes to the question that, I, that I'm asked about why we go through suffering. I learned things about myself that I did not realize. I learned about my level of trust. I learned about my confidence in God because it was shaken. I learned about my depth of love for my wife, both because I was shaken by the experience and because I was being called upon to do things that I never thought I'd have to do for her. We go through suffering in part so God can reveal to us things about ourselves that he sees that we don't. If we were smarter, <laughs> we might learn them a little quicker. But we're not, and we don't. And that's why I like proven character. It's not because we put on, if we go through steady, you know, calm times in our life for an extended period, and we basically had, um, we get to put this little plastic Jesus face on, and we come to church, and everything's okay, and my life's good, God loves me, I love Jesus, I love my wife, I don't kick my dog, everything's cool. And you never know what's going on behind that mask because I don't tell you. You know, the, the joke is you come to church, ask, people ask you how you're doing, you say, fine, fine, it's feelings I never express. Um, the people who were closest to me saw me during that period of time and I was going through something. but I was growing. Now, I'm not saying that God gave my wife congestive heart failure so I would grow. That's cruel. But I want you to understand God knew that was going to happen. He could have delivered her from that. Absolutely could have healed her and delivered her through that, from that. But he knew it was coming and he knew we had growth points that we needed to go through in our life. And so he allowed it in our path and walked us through it. And that is what Janet said in three minutes. <laughs> okay. 
That's why God allows suffering in our life, because he's not as concerned about our circumstances as he is about our growth in Christ-likeness. His goal is to take us from whatever we started off at, wherever we were, were born again out of, and move us gradually, step by step, toward the image of his son being restored in us. And I hate to say it, folks, but that happens by going through bad times. If we embrace that, and, and look, it's no fun. I'm not ever going to tell you that I rejoice going through all that stuff with my dear wife. I rejoiced when she came home. I rejoice in every victory as, as she recovers. So I'm still learning, okay? Um, but through that, I, was, I became more Christ-like. And I learned to hope. What's hope? There's a, I hope it doesn't rain today kind of hope. These are, uh, you know, funny things about English. I'm not, a, I, I'm not even a student of Greek, so I can't dive too deep into the words in, in the original language. But um, there is a hope that is a certainty that future things will happen. Right? I hope in the glory of God, as I did my study, one of the things, and this is back in, in verse two, don't go back, it's fine. Um, that the expression there is actually talking about the hope and the glory of God is about, Christ, about Christ's return. That I have confidence in God until he's revealed at the end because he has taken me through these things. Suffering hurts. But God is good. I guess the thing I'd really like to point out is something that sounds almost obvious. Romans 8 comes after Romans 5. Okay, I know, I know that's really, really profound. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. How does that happen? <laughs> Romans 5. When we read all things work together for good, they work together for good, but you got to go through. And the natural tendency, I think, for, for us a lot of times is to recoil, because we do. I mean, you, you touch something hot, you pull your hand back. You go through a, we want to recoil. If we want to advance in our, in our growth in Christ, and we all should, we all should. Then we have to learn to embrace those hard times and embrace God in them. Tell me, Lord, what I need to learn. Make me the person you want me to be. Help me to go through this like a believer would. And God be glorified. And then we can hope. Why? Because not only is our character proven, but God is proven. Right? Every time God, we, and you, won't, you may not see it until the end. You may not see it ever, but you may not see it until the end. Oh, God was in that. Uh, I, I didn't like it, but God was there. My prayer life improved tenfold while I was, my wife was in the hospital for the fourth time in a year. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I put on the calm face because 
I had things I had to do. I had to get, I have a job. I had to go to work and get work done. I have kids I need to communicate with. And I wanted them to be aware, but not panicky. Um, and they're, they're not close enough to come and see mom real easy. So, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff that had to be done, but embrace that and look for God in it. And then we have hope and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You are not going through your trouble alone. And you can. And I hope someday to get to that place when I face trouble that I rejoice. Oh, there's a chance to get closer to God. I don't know. That still sounds weird to me. But it's said over and over again. Every one of those verses that I read about trouble is followed by God's glory. God's going to do something good in your life. God's going to make a positive change in your life. God's going to come through and keep the promises that we want to claim as our, as our happy verses that we're so in favor of. <clears throat> 